What did you think of the book? I didn't read it. Neither did I. More wine? It's Schmanners. Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. Did you know that when we planned the joke, uh-huh. you pointed to yes, your... Yes, listen. So... I realize now, the reason Teresa's laughing <laughs> is we went back and I said like three different times, okay, he'll say this and then I'll say this and then, and then as soon as I hit record, I was sure Teresa went first, even though I was supposed to go first, and it wasn't until I finished the joke that I realized I was wrong. <laughs> Listen, everybody, let us first lead off by saying we know this episode is going up on a Sunday. And technically, it's still last week's episode, but it's going up on Sunday. We apologize for that. We have friends in town. It was my birthday weekend. I traveled to go to Orlando. A lot happened this week. Um, and you know what? I'm glad we were able to get this episode done at all. Um, so thank you for your patience, for your understanding, and for your ongoing support. Um, you are great. Uh, and I'll take it as my birthday present, your patience. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> How are you, Teresa? Oh, man. It feels like we skipped fall here in Cincinnati and went straight to winter. Mm, that is fair. Um, and you know, what's better when it's cold and gray outside than cuddling up with a nice book next to, I don't know, a fire or... Probably a TV or a Sace Eater or a dog. You know what? I have a three-year-old. I haven't read a book in like three years. <laughs> this is fair. Now, I here's the thing, and I'm sure we'll come back to this over and over and over again. Uh, like 10 years ago, I made the switch from like reading a physical book to audiobooks, and I've never looked back. Yeah. Now, I will acknowledge that I think Listening versus reading are two different sensory experiences, mm-hmm. right? But they're far, enjoyable in their own ways, right? As far as like gathering the information from the book, I I think it is equal because that's the thing. I do think sitting down reading a book, um, you know, f- reading a physical book, and like getting lost in the fantasy world or lost in the narrative or whatever is different from, like, putting on a book while you drive, you know, or, yes, mm-hmm. admittedly. But I think that you can still say, I read the book, you know? I yeah. I have consumed I th- the book. I think so, too. I think so, too. And especially, uh, we're talking about book clubs. Yes. Uh, especially if it's, if it's about wanting to get together and discuss the, discussing the book. Right. I think they're completely equal. Yeah, especially since, as you said, in this day and age... I, in this day and age, I'm, you know, I've got a kid. I work a lot. I, I, even if I had the time to sit down and like read a physical book, my brain would then immediately go, do you know how many other things we're supposed to be doing? <laughs> um, most recently, the, the book I finished and absolutely loved and enjoyed, if we're talking about books you should read, is Medallion Status by John Hodgman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his new book. Uh, it is wonderful, funny. Uh, and inspiring and at times touching. 
Uh, and if you haven't read it, also Vacation Land by John Hodgman, another excellent one. Um, also Embrace Your Weird by uh, by uh, Felicia Day. Um, I, uh, lots of good ones. Um, now, here's the thing I will tell you. I've never been in what I would consider like an official, like an actual book club. I have. I know you have. So you will be providing a lot more experience. The closest I think I've come is like discussing um, like summer reading, discussing reading in like class. Okay. Um, and also I was in a Facebook group that Lynn, that Lynn Manuel Miranda started of like, we're going to read through all the Shakespeare like works and discuss it here in the Facebook group. And I quickly, uh, lost track. <laughs> I, I quickly fell off. Uh, the, How the, does the that path. man have time for that? I don't know. I definitely didn't. So I don't know what to tell you. Now, we're going to discuss the history first, as we always do. As we always do. This is one of those where if you told me book club started in 1940, I'd believe you. And if you told me that they originated in, like, ancient Egypt, I'd believe you. Well, okay, they didn't really have books in ancient Egypt. Yes, I know. This is wall club, where we read the walls. <laughs> where we read the walls. Um, I, and, uh, okay. The printing press uh -huh. was invented in the 1400s. Yes. That is when books in the form that we know today began to exist. Yes. Um, because before that... So let's it, it start was, there. Because <laughs> before that, it was all like handwritten, hand copied exactly. by like monks and stuff. Normal people didn't own books. They were kept in like, you know, vaults and fancy monk monastery libraries and like castle libraries because they were so expensive and difficult to produce. Exactly. So the idea of saying, let's get together and read a book. It's like, no. <laughs> also, uh, literacy wasn't something that the common man was really interested in. Uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, instrumental for survival. Why didn't they do audiobooks? So there wasn't any real reason. You said for my birthday you would laugh at some of my jokes. Mm, you're going to have to work harder than that. Okay. Um, there wasn't any reason to read a book. And you were busy. Yeah. You know? Just trying not to die. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you said if you told me it was the 1940s, you'd believe me. I think that the vision of book clubs that we have today revolves around women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and one of the things that you mentioned specifically when we started this, you were like, Oprah's book club. Oprah's book club. Yes. Um, we'll touch on that just a little bit. Okay. Uh, but let's go to the idea of, of the woman book club for okay. a while. And there's a New Yorker article called Turning the Page, How Women Became Readers by author... Uh, Joan Acasella, mm -hmm. where they point out that women's history really revolves around this access to literacy, okay. right? There, the, the two points that are made is like literacy and birth control. Okay. Like these are the two like turning points in women's history. Because um, before mass media, like, you know, internet, radio, stuff like that. Um, reading meant access to the world. Yeah. Right? With, if you were relegated to, like, 
the gender sphere of women in the home versus men in the world, books were the way that you got, there was a bridge there. Um, And so uh, also- Once again, because we're speaking in terms of like, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, we're speaking in the gender binary that they would have thought about at that time. Oh, also uh, the Middle Ages. (laughs) Yeah, also also the Middle Ages. (laughs) So- um, when you talk about access to the world as far as gender spheres go, there has always been this kind of uh, the the home relegated gender being I want access and the world relegated gender saying, uh, no, we don't want you to have access. Yes. So it's almost like it's like a power thing. It's almost like a power it's thing. It's almost like a yeah. Hmm. So the pendulum goes back and forth and back and forth. Um speaking of the Middle Ages, uh there has been a, a few uh let's say, passages cited say in the New Testament that said women were not meant to preach. Okay. And it was very easy for the church at the time to say, see? Uh-huh. Um, so then, like, it, it, it was like, we don't have many books, but you guys, the women's don't want them anyway, because okay. the Bible says you shouldn't. All right. Um, giving the church more power to, you know, rule people's lives because you had to go through the middleman of the clergyman, right? Almost like they wrote their own rule and then pointed to the rule as like, see, that's the rule. I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. But literacy for women was feared in different ways. Um, A big worry was that if a woman could read, she could do it by herself. Uh, Okay. Which might lead her to thinking on her own. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, boy. And then if if a woman can think on her own, what more does she want? <laughs> then, then, then there will be no stopping her. <laughs> <laughs> what if they knew enough to run their own businesses and oh. choose their own husbands? What would I happen? I can't even have cats and dogs living together. <laughs> Chaos. Okay. Thankfully, the pendulum swang, uh, swang, swung yeah. back and forth uh, between these two enough so that um, one of the original Amer- uh, U.S. book clubs was started in 1634 by a religious renegade named Anne Hutchinson. Oh, yeah. I know of Anne Hutchinson from Drunk History, I that's believe. Right, yeah. That's right. That's um, right. So she was mostly interested in intellectual analysis of the Bible, Uh being the daughter of a clergyman. And so she would invite other women over to her home in Massachusetts Bay Colony and analyze and often criticize the sermons that were given at the weekly services. And I bet the religious leaders loved Uh, it. No. Not so much. Uh, But eventually, she did open these up to men as well. Um, But uh, they were eventually condemned, right? Because Mm -hmm. women thinking... Can't have that. Not only thinking, but criticizing, you know, the sermons, the the ones written, questioning the things said. Yeah, yeah. But this train would not be stopped. Uh, 
Later on, in the late 1760s, Hannah Adams became the first American woman to earn a living through writing, and she would host a reading circle in her village. Um, In 1778, Hannah Mather Crocker organized a similar female reading group in Boston, um, and she took the radical position that women's formal study of science and literature was much more suitable to their status than whether or not they could make a good meal or so. Huh. Wow. this is the time where I think about um, that line in Pride and Prejudice, but um, I hardly knew a woman who people didn't say she was accomplished. Uh Uh-huh. Because you had to have, like, the, the, the... must read extensively, paint, draw, sew, play an instrument. And basically, if you were a dude, you just needed to have some money that you hadn't gambled away. Yeah. <laughs> and then you were, like, killing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's go over to Europe for a second. Um, so Europe uh, had, especially in uh, in the U.K., had some tumultuous times where um, it depended on really who was in power. So you have the Cromwell years, uh-huh. where actually women were allowed to attend universities. Uh, they were encouraged to read and become educated. And then you have the Restoration, yeah, <laughs> where they were like, uh, mm-mm, no, this is not this is not good for us men folk. So now you can't go to universities, but book clubs remained, um, and. The idea of educating women was still important in the way of business. Yeah. Because a lot of the, you know, the UK at that time was about the spice trade and um, shipping and all the kind of stuff. I mean, Britain was fighting wars for like centuries about shipping routes. Yeah. Um, so they wanted women to learn math and reading so that they could take stock and balance of ledgers. And, and it wasn't unusual for a merchant to leave his business to his wife or his daughter right. when he left or passed well, you, away. You also have to imagine, I mean, this is just me inferring, but you have to imagine, like, if I was a merchant or somebody who was going to go on a ship journey for, like, six or seven months, I would want my wife to, like know how to keep the ledgers balanced and stuff while I was gone. Mm-hmm. So I didn't come back and be like, where is all our money? Exactly. I, like, I can't check my bank balance while I'm gone. You know what I mean? Um, but this was more about, uh, again, survival. Like you said, you didn't want the money to go away. Right. Um, education in general was not something that women were offered through much of, uh, of Europe's history. Um, so what happened was they turned to kind of like educating each other on the sly using needlepoint. What, really? Yeah. Um, so have you seen, I'm sure you have, there Every once in a while on Antique Roadshow comes up a needlepoint sampler. Yes. And oh, so you could read. Yeah. Okay. So in order to do the needlepoint, you had to learn basically the alphabet because that was part of the sampler, right? You would go through alphabet, numbers, sometimes Bible passages, things like that. 
And it was a way to kind of mothers teach their daughters how to read while doing something, quote, acceptable within their gender sphere. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, no men were like paying attention to this kind of stuff. So you could even slip secret messages or I don't know, like symbols and letters and who knows what. No one was watching. So you do what you need to do. (laughs) This is all I want you to know. Fascinating to me. Oh, good. I am right now in the middle of it. I'll just say loving this episode. Wonderful. Um, Okay. So during the Enlightenment, this is when the pendulum really swung toward everybody can be educated and, and everyone should be educated. Everyone should be educated. Um, and we've talked a little bit about salons and um, like penny universities and yeah. coffee shops and things like that. Um, but when uh, when women really were welcomed into this salon kind of atmosphere in Paris was when this really could like blossom, yeah. right? Um, and in fact, beauty salons may have gotten their name from the discussions that happen in these literary salons. That, yes, that makes sense. This all tracks. Um, okay, but it didn't. It didn't like magically fix everything. No, right. Um, some of the famous salons were held and uh, and hosted by women, but you know there was still like. There was still this kind of elitism between men and women of the time where women were like, oh, but they're just getting together to, you know, gossip and talk. And they're not really doing the kind of intellectual study that Mm -hmm. we are. Well, and that's another thing if you think about, like, I always think about like the, the, uh, oh, why is the name escaping me? The... Uh, Algonquin Roundtable, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about the, like, uh, female, you know, thinkers and philosophers and stuff and, and, you know, notable quotables throughout life, uh, throughout history, they were always seen more of, like, isn't it unique that this woman is able to philosophize with these men? Whereas it was kind of just, yeah, of course men can do it. (laughs) You know, like, that kind of thing. it It was viewed as, like, unique and outstanding when a woman could... Play in the same field. Yeah, as hold the her own right. is the idea. Well, <clears throat> so what really turned this around was a best-selling book. Uh huh. Um, so, an 18th-century sex farce called Pamela or Virtue Rewarded. Man, we need to go back to giving books two titles. That was always in Shakespeare too. I miss that. Like, is this? Or <laughs> whichever you choose, it's up to you. <laughs> um, so it was about a young servant girl being romantically pursued by her employer. Um, and the story was so popular that people would read it aloud in groups together, sometimes reading like fan fiction spinoffs. Oh, wow. Really? Right? Or playing with Pamela playing cards and drinking wow. from Pamela mugs. And like London exploded with this with this story. You know, like Harry Potter. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> like Harry Potter. It's a little different from Harry Potter. I mean, subject matter, yes. Yes. Um, so like this, the advent of this book 
really made it so that everybody enjoyed the subject. Everybody loved the reading. They would read it together. It became like not just book club, but story time. Yeah. Um, and so this kept the ball rolling for education purposes. Um, and one of the other really like famous and long-standing book clubs in the U.S. was founded by a group of ladies in Illinois in 1877 called the Women's Reading Book Club of Mattoon. Okay. Um, and it is still going today. Oh, wow. Making it the longest-running book club in the country. Okay. And they're really focused on books that are uh, available to the masses, things that are not like intellectually dense, but still relevant to culture. Yeah. Right. So and I like think, 50 shades of gray. Sure. I guess. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that just always seems like one of those. I like, didn't look up the titles that, that there was just a time hosting. period where it seemed like everyone read that book. Yeah. Uh, it's not, just a not, go-to reference. Not me. me. I didn't. I didn't read that. Book. I didn't either. Okay. It just so seemed, not everyone. It seemed, it seemed like everyone read it. Or at least everyone was aware of the title. It's I, not important. I don't know why we're talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> it's okay. Just forget about it. Okay. Another thing that really helped um, book clubs in the U.S. was the idea of correspondence universities mm-hmm. because you know. The U.S. is a is a large expanse of land from sea to sea, um, and so a lot of rural communities didn't have the same access that maybe um, metropolitan areas areas did. Also, people lived a lot further apart. They were, you know, that there was just without the transportation, you really couldn't go anywhere. But there was the post mm-hmm. and if you were able to contact a, a you know correspondence university you could get a, a sort of degree yeah um so like this was called the chatoqua movement i think okay sure there's a lot of vowels in this word <laughs> uh so is the incident to the Institute of Chautauqua, New York, that created an adult educational movement where men and women could assemble to basically give themselves their own university education. Okay. Uh, they would assign books in areas of science, literature, history, economics, uh, Latin, you know, whatever they felt was relevant to the degree that they had agreed on. Um, and you would organize it yourself. So this was kind of like... They were handling the book club business, and you were getting together and doing your book club. Okay. Um, After four years, if you had read all the books and passed some tests, so you could get your degree. Um, And this was still popular in the 1920s. um, And it today even still selects nine books for study a year. For its national book club. Now you can't you can't get the degree mm-hmm. but you from the book the club, but you can read the books and participate in the discussions with people all across the U.S. Now, before we go to uh, questions, audience questions, you promised me you'd tell me about Oprah's book club. <laughs> What's the deal with Oprah's book club? Is it a book club? Yes. Okay. Or is it just a sticker on books? 
It is a book club. Um, in 1996, she launched the first televised book club with the novel The Deep End of the Ocean. Um, Great and, title. Yeah. It's, it's evocative, but also nonsense. <laughs> to date, the book club has 2 million members and 81 books on the list. How do they schedule that? You don't all get together at once. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you can join the book club and get the list and make your own Oprah's book club. 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 Got it. Right. Um, and it's, you know, it's awesome that Oprah created this kind of commercial movement for empowering people to read books. Um she has gone through like different classics, different um, genres. Um, she has her favorite authors, of course. Um, some have seen it as a kind of marketing campaign oh, to absolutely. influence the New York Times bestseller list. Oh, absolutely it is. But I don't think that the two can be. I don't think it's mutually exclusive, you know? You get an endorsement from Oprah? It's big. It is big. I don't um, know if everyone knows this. Oprah is very popular. She is very popular, but there have been some bumps in the road. Several authors who she has recommended have um, relegated her recommendation to the, you know, kind of middle-aged, middle-class white woman biddies that tend to... Uh, in in theory, represent her audience, right? And so knocking down its prestige. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's cool to read. So. Yeah. There, hey, there you have it, folks. It's cool to read. <laughs> Teresa said it. All right, let's go uh, do some thank you notes and then some questions. Trainers is sponsored in part this week by Quip. Listen, we love Quip. I say it every time we talk about them, but we use it. I love it. We do. Here's the thing. Listen, I could read these copy points. I could. It'll be great. But instead, I'm going to speak from the heart. Oh. I have in my life had many, many a tooth problem, be it cavities, be it uh, some gum issues. It's happened. It's been bad. But then I found Quip. And not only uh, is Quip effective, it's easy. It makes it easy to take good care of your teeth because it is a gentle uh, vibration instead of like one of those uh, electric toothbrushes that feels like you're jackhammering your gums, <laughs> right? Quip is gentle and it has the built-in timer to let you know when to move from section to section and lets you know when you have done the appropriate two-minute uh, time brushing your teeth. And it's also, Quip makes my favorite toothpaste. Did you know that Pregnant women are more susceptible to gingivitis as a hormonal condition. I didn't know that. And I have really been enjoying Quip. Uh, their toothbrush heads have these little, like, plasticky kind of massager things on the sides. Been great for my gums. Perfect. A lot less bleeding. And speaking of uh, the the uh, Quip brush heads, uh, they have a program where you can get a new one every three months which is dentist recommended, and frankly, uh, listen, 
Everybody raise your hands if you're replacing your toothbrush every three months. I am because of Quip. Because of Quip, right? Unless you're using Quip, put your hands down because no, you're not. You're a liar. I'm sorry I have to be so brutally honest, but you're a liar. Go get Quip. I love it. Um, And it's sleek. It's like compact. It's easy to use. It's amazing. Easy to travel with. Easy to travel with. And it runs off of one battery for three months. So you don't have to worry about plugging it in or charging it or anything like that. And Quip starts at just $25. And you'll get your first refill free at getquip.com slash schmanners. This is a simple way to support our show and start brushing better. But you have to go to getquip.com slash schmanners. Excuse me. To get your first refill free. Go right now to G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash schmanners. We have a Jumbotron this week. Ooh. It is, listen to the podcast, How You Doing, wherever you prefer. Listen and learn more at the website podfriend.pizza. That's P-O-D-F-R-I-E-N-D dot P-I-Z-Z-A. Making time for loved ones is hard enough, but when they live far away, it can feel impossible. Laura and Colin overcome that distance with the simple question, how you doing? Through the magic of podcasting, Laura and Colin must make time for each other, sitting down and catching up with funny, heartwarming conversations on games, cars, cooking, and more. In How You Doing, how you doing? <laughs> the pod friends try sincerely to stay friends, inviting anyone to listen, and they do the same for the people they love. That's nice. Go check that out. And I said, how you doing? But it does have a G at the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> we are so thrilled at your interest in attending Hieronymus Wiggenstaff's School for Heroism and Villainy. Wiggenstaff's beautiful campus boasts state-of-the-art facilities and instructors with real-world experience. We are also proud to say that our alumni have gone on to be professional heroes and villains in the most renowned kingdoms in the world. But of course, you are not applying to the main school, are you? You're applying for our sidekick and henchperson annex. You will still benefit from the school's amazing campus, and you'll have a lifetime of steady employment. Of course, there's no guarantee how long that lifetime will be. Join the McElroys as they return to Dungeons and Dragons with The Adventure Zone Graduation every other Thursday on Maximum Fun or wherever podcasts are found. <sighs> There's nothing quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic. Avast! It's actually pronounced biopic. No, you dingus! It's biopic! Who the hell says that? It's biopic. Because it's the, the words word bi- for biography biology. and picture. If you... All right, that is enough. Ahoy! I'm Dave Holmes. I am the host of the rebooted podcast formerly known as International Waters, designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. How? By pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree! Okay, now it's time for question. Hi, Lily. Lily, get down, please. Lily's up in the microphone. Here's special guest, Lily the dog. No. Okay, so Liz wants to know, what do you do if you hate a book everyone else loves? Okay, um, 
one of the 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 don'ts I would say of book club is starting out with the question, so who liked the book? Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> right? Um here's the thing. If you hated the book, one I uh, I commend you for finishing it because I don't finish books I hate. Mm-hmm. Um but you need to have Instead of just the visceral reaction of, ugh, I hate this, try and look in yourself and find out why. Right. Right? Because that's what this discussion is about. I think that it's just fine that you hated the book. If you can talk about, well, I don't like the author's tone, I didn't like uh, the way the characters behaved, Um, they didn't feel realistic to me, I thought that the writing was too simple, the syntax was off, like any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Figure out why, and that is a great discussion. Yes, and that's the thing. Discussion is the key there, right? Because if everybody rolled up to book club and was like, we all liked it, that's not a good discussion, right? Right. Like the thing is, is especially reading and consuming a book is com- so, is such a subjective experience, mm-hmm. right? I have very strong negative feelings about Wuthering Heights, but that said, I understand that there may be people out there who really like Wuthering Heights. You can't say this book is like unless it's like missing pages and doesn't <laughs> have an end date. Like it's hard to say a book is objectively bad right the publisher cut it off in the middle of the last chapter (laughs) there are people who like things that you don't like and there are people who don't like things that you like and that's what part of the discussion is so i i would advise in any conversation about a subjective kind of material that it is not about winning that it's not about being right that's not about proving the other person wrong or convincing someone that they are wrong it's about uh, the opportunity to discuss different points of view about it that may change the way you look at it, but it may not. But mostly remember that the experience is to get together with people and have a social experience with them with a uh, with a specific goal, right? That being said, um, there will always be uh, the, that one person in book club who tries to convince everyone else that this was the best book ever or this was the worst book ever. And my advice, if you are that person, I would say state your opinions and then allow everyone else to state their opinions. Don't steamroll. Think of it like you're going to a buffet, right? Get yours and then let other people eat before you go back for seconds. (laughs) Um, And if you encounter uh, said steamroller person... um, Try not to get emotional about it. And um, sometimes people just need to let it out. They just need to talk. And once they're done talking, you can thank them for their presentation and then continue. And, you know, I think if you have someone in the club who routinely, like, is, you know, talking over other people and not letting them have their opinions or whatever, I think you should... Uh, in someone should have a private conversation with them, not during the book club meeting, mm-hmm. but like you know, off mic to say like, "Hey, we love having you in the club, but we want to make you aware that sometimes you have a tendency to kind of talk over people or like shout them down, and it kind of hurts the discussion. And so we'd love it if you could like work on letting other people." have their uh, chance to talk, right? Because the thing is, most people want to do a good job. Most people want to be liked, right? 
And so a lot of the times people just, I, I will say this as someone who over talks and like, you know, is very bold and brassy in my opinions. I'm not doing it to be rude. I'm not aware I'm doing it most of the exactly, time. Exactly. Which is why we have our own little signals where I can, I can be very gentle and discreet and letting Travis know that, hey, you are awesome, but please let other people talk. <laughs> uh, this is from Chris. What about paper versus audio? Does it matter? We discussed this a little bit. Um, as, as long as you can pay attention and form your own opinions for a discussion, no, I no. don't think it matters at all. I, it's just a different way to experience the thing, you know, like I... I I think if that's how you prefer to consume it, I would say, like, at some point you may want to say, like, now I listened to it, so I may have had a different experience than you. Sure, sure. If someone's like, I found the imagery to be encapsulating, and you're like, well, I listened to it, so maybe I experienced it different from you, but I didn't get that. I think it's just more a piece of information along those same lines. Uh, Meredith asks, if you haven't finished a book for whatever reason, is it still okay to attend the specific book club or should you sit it out? I think that if you go, you should say like, now I didn't finish it, but, and you should also not expect them to like talk around spoilers or not discuss the ending of the book. Exactly. Um, I mean, if you're with a group of friends and they don't want to spoil it for you, that's fantastic. Um, But the honesty is the best policy there. Um, And I think that please be specific about where you stopped, like a specific plot point instead of just saying, I didn't finish it. Um, because hopefully you can participate in the discussion after, I mean, I mean before that point, and then maybe afterwards it will help you to get the motivation to finish the book. Right. You or, know? I mean, if all else fails and you're, it's, it's about wanting to be able to contribute to the conversation, you can always look up a synopsis uh, and, you know, find out what happens after you stop reading it. I, I come at this from a different perspective where, like, I don't really worry about things getting spoiled for me. I don't either. Yeah, like, I... I, I can watch the same movie, like, 20 times. Right. Fine. And, like, if I see people discussing a thing that I haven't seen yet, mostly just makes me interested to go watch it. Mm-hmm. Like, I love w- listening to, like, movie podcasts about movies I haven't seen to see if it sounds interesting to me, and then I go watch it. Um, I have strong feelings about twists versus quality, which I don't need to discuss here. So, like, (laughs) I am of the opinion of, like, if I was going to discuss, I would look it up so that I would have all the context uh, in place. Um, One of the things that can help with this is if it's more of a, a democratic societal book club, set a reading schedule that's appropriate for everyone, right? right? Um, So, like, if, if... I were to join a book club at this moment in time, I would need at least a month to get through a book. There is no way I could do a book a week. Yeah. But there was a time in my life where I could have done a book a week. I'm a yeah. very fast reader and I could I could get through it for sure. Um, so set a realistic reading schedule. And if you find that you are consistently not able to finish the book in time for your book club, speak up and say that. Say, maybe we need to meet. Maybe these meetings need to be chapters 1 through 25 instead of 1 through 50. Yeah, You know, things like that so that you can enjoy your book club and not feel bad. 
Uh, Nick asks, do you think book clubs could be online or should they happen in person? Actually, there is a new trend of Instagram influencers starting their very own book clubs um, and using like Instagram Live as mm. kind of like the hub right. of their uh, of their book clubs. I think in this uh, with with uh, you know Discord and Slack. And even like Facebook groups and all, everything, the the opportunities to communicate uh, and communicate in rapid real time. Mm-hmm. I think that the idea of having to sit in the same room for it to be effective is is silly, right? Of like, like I said, Lynn started the Shakespeare thing. It was a Facebook group, right? Like, I think if it gives you the social opportunity to discuss and an excuse to read a book you want to read. Go for it. Perfect. I think especially um, if it's something where you want to start a very specific book club where it's like we're going to read this book series or this author or this genre even. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, you may not have friends in your, you know, 20 mile radius who are actually interested in that thing. But there's probably plenty of people on the Internet who would love to discuss that thing with you. I think it's absolutely fine. Okay, one last question. This is from Laney. How could someone politely pitch a book to read for a book club without it turning into a detailed PowerPoint presentation? Um, well, I think that you know your book club the best, mm-hmm. right? And if they need a detailed PowerPoint presentation, don't be afraid to make one. <laughs> See, this is the thing where I'm always a big fan of like structured process. Right. This is what we talk about on Schmanners all the time. Right. Having like some kind of process in place makes it easier. It makes it more mannerly, makes it like because you know exactly what to do. So no one's worried about pitfalls. So like hopefully your book club has some process in place to nominate and decide on books. So like the idea of like if you say, here's why here's this book. Here's why I think we should do it. Um I, I can give you more information if you'd like, but this is the kind of book that it is, and I think we would be interested in it. And then if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. A good way of tempering this is to put it in your book club kind of rules out there that whoever is hosting the next session picks the book. Right. Um, so that you don't have to put right. together any kind of presentation. You can just say, uh, book club's at my house next month on the 25th, and uh, we are reading Pride and Prejudice. Right. You know? The uh, the only thing I would say to, to help with a successful book club... I want to watch club, that movie again. Okay. To help with like a <laughs> successful book club is give people the opportunity to say no to a book for very good reasons. Like, I'm uncomfortable reading a book about blank, or... Uh, there are issues de- dealt with in this book that I think would make me not like uncomfortable. Like I don't like this book, but I would find difficult to read like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think is a perfectly reasonable, uh, you know, explanation of why you wouldn't want to do a book. So I would say like, it, say you meet once a month, right? Maybe propose books the week before you meet, right? So then you can decide on the book when you meet and give people time to like learn a little bit about it. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, kind of like a preview. Like right. we're going to discuss the book from last month, but while everybody is coming to my house next week, think about these books and right. we'll vote. 
And that way, like, you're not just springing on That way, you're not having to give them the information. They can look up what they want to know about it themselves. That's right? a great idea. Um, before we go, I would like to say that um, one piece of advice for your discussion, along with did everybody like the book or not like the book, uh, which you shouldn't do, is... Try not to disparage the characters in the book without really like reading the room first, right? Because especially if you're reading older novels or ones that deal with like touchier triggering subjects like anxiety or depression or abuse or things like that, you never know what people in the room have gone through themselves. And to say something like, well, I'd never put up with someone who treats me like that. Right. Maybe somebody did. Right. You know, you you don't want to say those kind of things if you don't know the other people's story. Um, what I would say to that point, if that is something you want to discuss, I would say rather than looking at it from the psychology of the character, say something like, I don't think the author justifies this character's behavior. Right. Okay. Then it's about, yeah, that's a good idea. Then it's about the construction of the book and what is actually in the book rather than anybody inferring like an experience mm -hmm. about like, well, I think anyone who would do that is instead saying like, I felt like the author never really made it clear why this mm -hmm. character is behaving this way. And the I statements are good here as well, like you said, about like, I didn't think so, or I don't understand why, or the author didn't didn't spell out to me why the choices were right. made the yes. way they were. Um, you know, just if, you, if you're not quite sure about other people's circumstances, you want to make sure that you don't um, shut someone out just because they may have made a similar choice that yes. you don't agree with. And the fact is, they might be able to offer insight into that moment or character that you wouldn't be expecting because they might have an experience that's different from your own, which is another great reason to discuss things with people so you can learn, so you can learn about other people's experiences. The opposite side of this coin is you shouldn't imply that someone can't understand what another person what the character has gone through because of their life experiences right so if if the book is about a character in a different social class or a character from a different country and you don't think and and your opinion of the other people in the book club is that they can't possibly understand don't assume that maybe they can understand you know sympathy and empathy are a really are very closely related um and you you just can't assume that kind of stuff about people it's a great subject of discussion but don't don't judge your uh your book club mates just because you have a preconceived notion about it's them. almost like you can't judge a book by its <gasps> cover what all right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, if you have ideas for topics that you would like to hear us discuss, you can email us, schmannerscast at gmail.com. When we pick a topic, we will put up uh, a post about it on Twitter. So I mean, that, unless it's like a biography yes, or something. So that we can do questions and stuff. Um, we, I'm going to be honest with y'all. We'll probably be late again uh, for this week because I leave on Tuesday to go on tour. Um, so next episode will probably be up late again. Apologies. <laughs> so, so sorry. Things are just a little chaotic right now. Um, so thank you for your patience. Yes. And thank you to Brent, Brent of Floss Black, 
for our theme song. Uh, it absolutely rules, and you can get it as a ringtone wherever those are found. Um, let's see, what else? Thank Teresa? you to uh, Kayla and Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. That is at SchmannersCast. Um, also, thank you to uh, Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of the fan run Facebook group Schmanners Fanners, uh, which uh, if you are interested in giving and getting excellent advice from other fans, that's where you should go. Um, thank you to Alex, our research assistant. She, especially for this one, was able to really really uh, shrink down my search criteria to to something that was Googleable. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, I want to talk about feminism and books and, and different book clubs and what they were about. And she's like, okay, I got you. She's great. Thank you so much, Alex. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.